This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is monarch. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Vanessa Ricci Thode. Vanessa's a word sorceress who loves a good story. She's a NaNoWriMo veteran, a Halloween enthusiast, and a bookish geek who loves dragons, dogs, astronomy, and travel. If she's not hibernating, she can be found in her butterfly <laughs> garden, achieving her final form as a forest witch. Welcome, Vanessa. Hi. Great to have you. So as, Wonderful to be here. As regular viewers know, we always dress up. We go full-on cosplay. All the YouTube folks can see us right now. But we describe our costumes for the podcast listeners. So you look amazing. Tell everybody what you chose to wear today. Uh, I'm dressed up as the fourth doctor today. Uh, so the thing, the fun thing about Doctor Who is that usually he just looks like a bloke. You know, there's the button-down shirt right. and the brown coat. But with the fourth doctor, there's the scarf. And that makes the whole outfit. Um, so I've got here the multi-striped 15-foot-long scarf. Um, friend made it for me. It's great. It's Amazing. toasty warm in the winter, which goes on forever here, as we discussed earlier. So, you know, I've even got the fourth Dr. Sonic. Oh, fantastic. You're totally prepared. Well, I am not a big doctor. I'm not, I'm not a, a Hoosian yet. It's one of those things where I'm like, this is going to take me... Like, maybe when I retire, I'll take a year, because I feel like <laughs> it's a lot to catch up on. Uh, it is. Intimidating. But I did my <laughs> research, and I was like, okay, well, what character from Doctor Who or species should I dress up as? Mm -hmm. In just very quick research, I was like, oh, I have to go as an Ood. I basically oh, look like an Ood anyway. And so I got, you know, I'm, I'm bald anyway. I got this mask. I've got the tentacles. And uh, uh, so if folks don't know what an Ood looks like, I mean, the, the viewers can see me in this Ood costume, but uh, folks who are listening to the podcast, look up Ood, spelled O-O-D, and that's pretty much exactly what I look like today. So um, It's a very well done Ood costume. I commend well, you. Thank you. The I mean, tentacles are so lifelike. I don't know yes, how you did that. I, it's, it's you know, some some silicone rubber and, you know, I mean, I, I purchased it. I, I, I give credit to whoever made this mask. But uh, yeah, it's fun. And the, the whole face opening front part is luckily I can still speak through it uh, clearly. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 elaborate. So, yeah, it's a little, yeah. It's a little warm uh, inside the mask, but uh, it would be. So what is some pop culture that's been getting in the way of your writing this week? Uh, so speaking of Doctor Who and how intimidating it, it can be, uh, I am doing a rewatch of it with my daughter. We've made it up to the 11th Doctor for uh, those that don't watch the show. It's uh, about a time traveler who can change his face. So there have been several actors who have played the Doctor. 
I think we're up to actually 17 or 18 because we have a few like one-off doctors here and there. There was the war doctor and the fugitive doctor. I could go on forever. You should stop me. Oh, no, I love <laughs> it. I mean, this is something I, I am excited to, and I've talked to friends who say, you know, don't be overwhelmed. Start with the, and then everybody's got a different start with the. Start with the seventh or start with the sixth or. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where, so... where would you tell people to jump in? Um, the fourth doctor is my favorite and he's a lot of fun. And I think it really depends. Um, you can find lists of some of the classic Doctor Who that are really fun to watch. Or uh, I always tell people to start with the ninth doctor. They did sort of do a reboot that was in 2005 when the show came back. It's a great place to start. Um, the, the fun thing is every new doctor, they kind of do a little mini reboot of the show. So it, it you don't have to know the entire history because it's more. 60 years this year uh, yeah it's a lot. um it's a lot to even just since 2005 oh, there's there's a lot of show to watch well, um it comes to something like you know game of thrones came out i read the books uh yeah. doctor who if i get into it and read the book that's a lot of books <laughs> it's a lot of books yeah there's a, there's a lot to yeah um i did start with the fourth doctor with my daughter, we talked about it. She's she's 11, almost 12. Um, and she was watching Doctor Who with me when I was little. That's how I got into Doctor Who. I watched it with my mom when I was a toddler. And um, I just said, you know, if you find the older stuff boring, we'll stop. And we started with the fourth doctor because he's kind of kooky and, you know, kids really like him. And she loved it. She just loved it. Right. She didn't care that the graphics were bad. I mean, the Daleks were very clearly made out of cardboard and didn't care it was yeah. fun it's a fun show so um yeah we've been having a lot of fun with it and we're up to, to number 11 now um i mean and we have watched multi-generational bonding like this yeah. is you know she can go oh yeah this is this is you and grandma bonded this way <laughs> yes yeah there's there's so much show to cover and it's yeah it's fun and it's such a, a good-natured show too because the doctor the main character of the show um he's an alien but like the superpower they gave him was a spare heart so he's got two hearts and instead of like carrying a weapon he's got a screwdriver it's a yeah. sonic screwdriver it's kind of like a magic wand but he's got a tool not a weapon um and he he uses his smarts to sort of save the day so it's it's a it's a really fun show and um, is, it, is it that he's traveling through our timeline or is he traveling to multiple timeline, you know, different oh, yeah. timelines or all, all the, there's, there's, um, there's a great quote that's like, you know, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yes. You may have seen it and it goes all over the place. It goes um, history of different alien civilizations. It goes through the history of earth. You know, there's been Shakespeare, there's been Queen Elizabeth, there's been lots of great earth history yes, in it I, I have seen the clips from the uh, shakespeare episode and that was really cool that one was a fun one yeah um yeah and then it, it also goes into the future of earth and humans and the future of the galaxy in general and different species and that's where you get fun species like the ood yes mm -hmm. who are not evil i read they are you they know, aren't no yeah, no I mean, they they them, are introduced looking but they're not evil. yes they uh, have an evil role in their their introduction, but it's not their fault. Not their yes, they are manipulated into they it. They are yes. manipulated, yes. yes. So how about in this week, this you know, show about procrastination? What's keeping us away from our writing? So what in the news has been keeping you away from your work? 
Um, I honestly try to stay away from the news as much as I can because it just, there's nothing good there. Um, and it's overwhelming and, um, my mental health declines the more Uh I pay attention, especially when I'm paying attention to news that I can't do anything about. Yeah. So I have focused things down really narrow into what's going on locally that I can do something about. Um, and that's Canadian politics. I don't know how many of your listeners are Canadian, so maybe I'll just stay away from that. More now. No, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, <laughs> I, I just want to broaden the audience. So. Another maple syrup heist. No, there was no maple syrup heist this year that I know of. <laughs> but, you know, that that's our that's our cozy, hilarious news that we have. Um, but the one thing that's been really distracting me is, I guess, like social media news um, yeah. and what's going on with Twitter um and its alternatives and you know because so much of what we do especially because i'm uh, an indie small uh author you know how to how social media is how we've always because i've been doing this for 10 years and social media was the only way you got the word out how you let people know right where you find your readers and and you know that's word of mouth has been largely through social media and um so many social media sites have just become a cesspit where the algorithm just sinks you. Yep. Um, and Twitter's gotten really bad for that too. That's where I primarily was. I gave up on Facebook because again, mental health was yeah. declining. Yeah. So. yeah. Facebook is now, I, you know, I, I still post to Facebook, but I don't spend my time, you know, getting into the debates on Facebook because it got so toxic. Oh um, yeah. And I was oh, just yeah. like, Nope, I can, I can, you know, get away from somebody very easily on, on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, Facebook got so personal, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's friends and friends of friends, uh, it just got so ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you block grandma or your uncle or whatever, it's, it's, it's a whole big, you know, suddenly your whole family's like, well, why did you block grandma? Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, so, um, yeah Facebook, but you're right the, the alternatives to twitter i'm I, I spend a lot of time on twitter twitter is my my kind of go-to tried to do some instagram uh but i'm not as good on that one and then i've really been lax on tiktok i'm not you know that's that's not my my wheelhouse uh but uh yeah t- twitter has had issues lately and it's probably going to have a lot more from what the new you know leader and owner has yes. indicated um it's i'm surprised it hasn't crashed and died entirely already which is why so many people are looking for alternatives yeah. and i know there's mastodon and a lot of people like mastodon and it's okay but i'm not finding the same sort of like it's not easy to to find new people it was easy for me to find the people i already knew but i'm having well maybe not easy but it was easier but i I can't find new people and I'm not meeting new people that way. It just seems to, to just, I feel like it's a lifeboat. It's a lifeboat till something else. Well, and it's good. You know, that, that, that aspect of social media where it's just, it's got to reach a certain kind of critical mass and then everyone's there and then the communication, you know, can, can happen. And I, I, my worry about, you know, we worry that Twitter on the back end is going to fall apart technically. And I feel like Mastodon is not quite there technically. It just moves slowly. I have trouble loading pictures. Uh, and so it doesn't feel like it's ready to be the replacement yet. Uh, but boy, no. uh, yeah, what happened on Spoutable this week? Do you see that one? <laughs> um, yeah, I was really excited about Spoutable because it seemed like it was going to be a reasonable alternative 
to Twitter. Um, I was hearing lots of good things about it. Some people who I, I knew people who were beta testing it and they were like, yeah, this is great. And there were polls. He was listening to what people wanted. And I was like, okay, awesome. That sounds great. Um, and I think I had been on it for two or three days when he uh, angered the romance authors. Yeah. For folks who don't know, the the owner uh, and CEO, I think he's the CEO or at least yeah. he's kind of the public face of it, got into this really petty battle with a few uh, romance authors because they put forward this kind of terms of service uh, description of what would be prohibited. And it would have included, and it was so vaguely poorly written. And so a lot of romance authors pointed out, hey, this would prevent my work from even being included. And, you know, it would be considered pornographic or whatever. And instead of saying, oh, I can take that feedback. I can hear that. How can we tweak that? He He lashed out. And then he just got dragged for filth on Twitter. It was on Twitter. The fight was happening on Twitter. Yes. And he was coming out after them on Twitter saying, you know, the, the, these terrible, you know, uh, uh, romance authors are are misrepresenting me. And they were showing receipts. They were saying, this is actually what your policy says. And uh, it, it, he got so petty that a lot of folks went, oh, Spoutable is never, it, it's the same kind of man baby is going to be in charge there as is involved here. Let's not, you know, let's not move over there. And so I, I think he probably single-handedly sank Spoutable. Um, it kind of sounds like he did. Yeah. What is it with these, you know, giant baby CEOs sinking really other, what otherwise would be successful platforms? Yeah. Well, I think I, I, I think part of what inclines people to, you know, get into these spaces in the first place is they lack impulse control. And they're like, it's great to be on Twitter where every thought can come out of my mouth and be, you know, uh, be, be released to the entire world. And they haven't learned, hey, silence is valuable too. That thing you don't tweet, maybe stop, pause, think, uh, is not, you know, part of their, uh, their, you know, modus operandi. And boy, that there were so many of those where I thought if you would have just stopped for five minutes and thought about whether or not that was really going to be in your interest to share that tweet, you might have not hit send. Uh, but they're, they're, they're not the don't hit send types. Yeah, yeah. Five minute delay on your tweets, fellas. Right. But that should just be a policy for anybody who owns a, you know, a social media platform. If you're in charge, make sure you run it by a committee first. You know, you, you have a different obligation on your social media platform if you're in charge to to the yeah. platform itself. And I sometimes wonder if maybe these guys don't understand the the power structure that's going on there as well and, and how much weight their tweets and spouts and whatever carry because you're the guy in charge so it's different well, and I, I have seen that even in my own work where oh, yeah. you know uh you know a, a person who's in charge will say oh th you know we were having a conversation as equals and somebody has to you know take the person aside and say you are a white man talking to women of color who are your employees they're not going to be able to say the things to you that you can say to them and then these you know middle-aged cishet white guys are going oh i never thought of it that way <laughs> like somebody has to yeah. say if you are if you own the platform there's a different power dynamic going on here yes absolutely but mm -hmm. i just i don't know if they can see it you know no no which which is unfortunate and i know that 
I think that people had had hopes about Spoutable because the CEO is a black man. Right. Um, and I have heard that some of why he got so defensive so quickly with the romance authors was because he has been under very racist attacks, which is also, again, take that five minutes back and think about it. Yep. Um, really look into it. Who are these people? Are they actually attacking you? Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. That- the whole thing could have been avoided with a five minute delay on the tweets yeah well but it's that intersectional lens you know rather than saying i will i I will participate in uh you know oppressing because i have been oppressed how can i recognize that we have both been oppressed and that's so challenging for folks who are feeling attacked and embattled to to step back yep yep Uh, yeah no it's a mess and it's unfortunate and now what um Well, there's an interesting case going before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court right now about uh, whether or not individuals can sue Google and Twitter when their algorithms promote things. Is it, is it you know, the, the kind of legal question, is it distinct when an algorithm is actually making choices and promoting? Because by virtue of the, the, the way the algorithms are designed, they promote engagement only. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they care about. And so yeah. if it seems to them that you like terrorism, they'll give you more extreme terrorism. And uh, so in this case that's before the yeah. court now, these these people are saying, my in this case, my daughter was the victim of a terrorist attack. Google promoted ISIS videos to my uh, to my, to, you know, to the to the the killers of my daughter, Google was liable, and the Supreme Court's going to have to weigh in on that. And I I think the court's probably going to try and dodge it as much as it can, but it is a really interesting case, and I yeah. wonder if it will make these some of these algorithms, these companies take their you know revisit their algorithms and say maybe engagement is not the only obligation, and I think they'll only care if there's a financial incentive, but if they're <laughs> oh saying, absolutely. You know, maybe promoting the most extreme awfulness uh, might lead to a little more engagement, but it costs us money because of the lawsuits. Let's not just promote extremism. You know, let's promote quality content. Wouldn't that be nice? I know so many of them have just become outrage machines. Yeah. You know, you're engaging because you're angry. Um, we have other emotions. Make me yeah. laugh. Well, and I have different, I have, I, I'm not sure that I, I should admit this, but I have more than one account on, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, the one that is my personal writer account, I'm following lots of writers. I'm on there just saying, you know, somebody says, hey, I just got a story accepted. And I just jump in and say, you rock, you're wonderful. You know, it's very positive. And that one, the algorithm is kind of figured out. Oh, this is this positive place, you know. And so that one, my primary is great. And then for the company, I'm just promoting writers and poets and that kind of thing. And so that one's really positive. And then I have one where it's a lot of the political stuff. And it has started to feed me. The, most of the stuff that I see on there is the political opposition. It, it is recognized, oh. oh, the thing that's going to engage you if you're interested in politics is the side that will make you the most angry. And so, I mean, it, it's done an effective job of keeping me off that one. Like, I hope that they will realize people in the short run may be more engaged, but in the long run are going to just find it toxic and say, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, engage here. I mean, that's basically what happened to me with Facebook. It's, it was pushing more and more of the stuff that made me angry. And I was like, and you get burnt out. Yeah. And and then that's that doesn't help the company either when people are getting burnt out and leaving. Yeah. So I mean, with Twitter, we've seen a mass exodus of of people leaving, even if the alternatives aren't great. They've left it anyway. I know some people who have just said, you know what, forget it. No social media for me. Yeah. 
Um, well, I think that the danger is the inverse becomes uh, uh, Instagram, which is, you know, here are just images and pablum and ads. Like, you know, there's not a lot of substance to. to no. And I liked that people were actually engaging with ideas on Twitter. It just got to the point where it was the only idea that we're going to put in your face is one that's going to make you, uh, you know, either more angry or that's going to preach to the choir. It ceased to be an engaging space. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, if I knew the solution, I would start a, a you know, <laughs> a competitor, but uh, I, I do not. But <laughs> boy, they are, there, there does not seem to be a good option right now. No, no. I've tried a few and I know some people who have tried others and there's nothing that really fits what Twitter does. Um, Hive was pretty close. I had high hopes for Hive. Um, I know it was a security nightmare. Um, and I think they fixed that, but they took Hive down for two weeks to fix a lot of things and it never came back after that. Yeah. Like it's back up, but nobody came back. It's two yeah. weeks gone and everybody it's it's a wasteland and it was so fun at the start i wonder if something like goodreads could change their model in such a way that it would be a space for people to talk pretty exclusively about books and and the ideas they're getting from books but in that micro blogging you know sphere and it would be a healthier place for writers and readers to engage uh maybe it would never get the same kind of draw because you wouldn't have other kinds of celebrities on there but uh yeah, I think, you know, having a space for writers and readers, but Goodreads as it currently stands is more macro blogging, and it it doesn't feel. Uh, you know, I don't get that that comfortable feel. But I would love something like that. That's a Goodreads Twitter, <laughs> you know. Which you know, that's basically what writing Twitter was at its best. Right. Right. Yeah, I miss I miss fun Twitter. I miss Twitter when it was. I mean, Twitter was never awesome, but yeah, it did do some good things. I learned a lot watching other people talk about things that I had never even considered in my, you know, sheltered little white bubble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just learning so much about other people and their experiences and even just learning more about other, like there's, um, you know, that you don't see in mainstream media. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, that was so interesting. And I'm not seeing that sort of engagement anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's had a lot a really of... positive effect on uh, kind of the the own voices. I know even the own voices hashtag is somewhat dated now, but that, you know, idea of representation, really Twitter had a, a strong influence in pushing for more voices in film in, you know, what books were being published. And that was really a positive thing. Uh, and even the, the toxicity led to some outcomes where people like you and I were seeing that and going, oh, I had never seen that kind of harassment before. I am learning to be more sensitive to what kind of awfulness other folks face. And so that was, I don't want to say positive because it was it was really awful for the people who were being harassed, you know, during Gamergate and that kind of thing. But it helped people like us to go, oh, what can I do? How can I engage in this healthier way? Uh, and so that became a positive and, and I'm not sure that that is still possible um maybe i mean maybe maybe we'll we'll you know i hold out hope that there will still be progress there but maybe with new ownership <laughs> mm, yeah yeah it'd be great if twitter was sold again to somebody better yeah, i don't well, it's well, hard to it's hard to see a future for twitter right now yeah. um but i i don't want it to die just because 
I, for, for me personally, it's been a net good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I too. would like to see it continue. Uh, and not just like for me personally, I know a lot of activists especially have relied so heavily on Twitter. And I'm not sure there's, this, I, I've been, I follow a few and I've been seeing, you know, where are you going? Where are you headed? And they're, they're not going yeah. anywhere. They're still on Twitter. Are. Yeah. I mean, if you need to be persuading people, you've got to go where they are. And so yeah. that's, you know, Twitter will remain a, 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 a space for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, whether or not it will be a healthy space for that, I think will have a lot to do with who's in charge. So my yeah. hope is Musk gets tired of this, moves on to his next thing, puts somebody else in charge of the day-to-day -day operations and just becomes another, you know, troll who is there, <laughs> who is there being obnoxious, but is not actually influencing the day-to-day -day operations and it can become a better thing. That so. would be nice. Yes. And I, yeah, I do hope that he gets bored with it before it dies. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be close yeah yeah i really will and and you know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but um you know i hope that he's not driving everyone who's competent away um i'm not so, sure how many competent folks are left there must be a few because i i can't see how it's up and running otherwise well my worry and my fiance and i have talked a lot about this my worry is the people who are keeping it going are people who are on 501c3 visas who are basically indentured servants like if they were to lose their jobs they would be deported and yeah. so he's able to work them you know it's it's it, it is immoral to the point that it should be illegal to yeah. say to somebody if you lose your job you lose your your you know your your family connections and everything else you'll have to leave the country so you have to stay here and work ridiculous hours and keep this thing running and uh, that that is not sustainable eventually yeah. those folks will find other jobs they can leap into so that they can retain their visas and uh, and that's going to be yeah. real bad yeah i i have heard that that theory yeah that that that's all that's left is is people who have no choice and yeah. that's just awful to think about yeah so um so when we're not, you know, despairing at the, uh, uh, you know, de inevitable demise of Twitter, uh, what's a hobby that's keeping you away from your writing? Um, it's it's not as much lately because it's winter here, but gardening has become a huge hobby of mine. Um, over the pandemic, I couldn't write at the start with lockdown and everything. I had a similar experience. I'm at the beginning of lockdown. I thought this is going to be, I'm going to be so productive. I've got, you know, I'm going to write three novels in the next year. Like I was so. We, we all thought we were going to be what Brandon Sanderson yep, actually exactly. was. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to uh, chain me to my desk and I'm just going to be so productive. And what I found was I shifted in my writing. I wrote a lot of poetry, but I wrote my, the novels I was working on just stalled. So, and, and like you gardening, a lot of gardening at the time. So what have you been working on in your garden? Um, so, uh, the first two springs of the pandemic, I dug up my front lawn and put in flower gardens, pollinator gardens. Um, and then last spring, we moved our vegetable garden up closer to our house because it was down at the back. Nice, bright, sunny area. Whoever put it there was thinking sunlight and not walnut trees, which many people don't know. And we didn't at the time, uh, are toxic and they talk, they toxify. They, they, they make the soil toxic. Uh, I, I can't remember what the compound is, but it's in their leaves. It's in their bark. It's in the wood. It's in their roots. Uh, yeah. So there's a good, there's a good radius around those trees where this yeah. only a few things grow. We had good luck with carrots and potatoes, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Good so, to know. I don't, I don't have, uh, I have, uh, I did, I planted uh pear tree, an Asian pear tree, uh, 
plum tree and a uh, uh, cherry tree a few years ago in the back side of my lawn. And the pear tree and the Asian pear tree, the Asian pear tree, the first year of COVID, I had over a hundred. I mean, it just went nuts. Wow. uh, Yeah. And then the, and then the plum tree has produced like three plums, but it's getting there, you know, it's doing its best, not produced yet. Uh, So lots and lots of pears. Uh, So that was, that was a fun part of, uh, you know, COVID was watching those. I planted them a few years before, but they were just getting to the point where they were starting to produce. Uh, But uh, yeah, that was, that was very much a part of my COVID world was spending a lot of time sitting out on the back porch, just kind of staring at the trees and watching them grow and, you know, watching the tomatoes flourish. Yeah. I I don't know about where you are, but here are springs through the whole pandemic. It's been awful. Um, have been delayed. And usually sometime in May, we go straight from, hey, it's snowing and awful to, wow, it's summer. Um, So spring has been awful and not really something that I can enjoy a whole lot. But I did go out when there was nothing else to do. And I just had my shovel and I was just digging up the grass. Yeah. Um, Right into the summer. And I already had a few flower gardens and I just expanded them. Uh, I transplanted a few things to kind of save some money and uh, bought a few new things because what else was I going to spend my money on? I wasn't going anywhere, wasn't doing anything. It was a nice way to get out of the house, go to the, you know, go to the the garden center, which is outdoors and nice and safe. And um, so, yeah, a lot of time just just digging up my yard. And it has been such a great uh, just, just, you know, something to keep me busy. Yeah. Um, and it became my creative outlet. Um, I put so much thought into planning the gardens and what they were going to look like. So my my front yard is divided by our driveway. And on the one side is my Halloween garden. And on the other side is a more traditional pollinator garden. And everything in my Halloween garden is either white or purple or orange or black. That's awesome. Oh, that is Finding so black cool. flowers is tricky, but I have a few. Um. I have and some very, so, very dark roses that are almost black. I love them. Yes. Yeah. So I've got uh, tulips and I've got columbines and I've got, um, I've got an iris, a bearded iris that is yeah. actual black, not that dark purple that's almost black, right. but black, black. And I've got, um, I'm letting my dog back in before yeah. she breaks the door down. That's right. Well, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I've got a few flowers that just, you know, they either look black or they're actually black that are just a lot of fun. And the other side was, it was hard because that side is also up against my neighbor's garden. So trying to find something that would blend nicely with their garden. And I plant perennials primarily because once they're in, like, I don't, I don't want to have to plant every year. Yep. That's why, so, that's why I love the roses. I, I replaced my front lawn with every time I would go to the grocery store. Uh, they have a little garden section in front of our grocery store and I would mm-hmm. just buy a couple more little rose bushes and I would plant them. I mean, it was almost daily. I was planting more rose bushes and I'm just replacing the entire front lawn with roses. And oh, that's that been great. Lovely. Yeah, it's tons of roses because once they're in, they're almost no work. They're a little good. bit of yeah. trimming, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I put some mulch down after I put the flowers in and very little weeding and everything comes up every year. Um, I planted pretty close to 2000 bulbs by this point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Most of them early blooming, uh, crocuses primarily. And, uh, by the time the snow melts, my, it's, it's just a a blanket of just color in my front yard and it's been great. And everybody like 
I have a, a neighborhood where a neighborhood where people just are always walking on our street. Our street is very walkable and people are always stopping and commenting, especially in the spring because it's the only house with anything green in it. Yeah. I, I love the idea of a Halloween garden. My, you, you are kinder in that you are concerned with how it blends into your neighbors. My, my fiance, the, the neighbor made a comment about how we'd left our Halloween decorations up for too long and that was the wrong thing to say to her. And now the mm -hmm. Halloween decorations are permanent. And so <laughs> we have a we have a skeleton uh, that's uh, hanging from this this uh, arch trellis thing in 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 front, and she now decorates it with a different costume for every holiday. So I love that. So the celebratory skeleton. Uh -huh. has a valentine's outfit and uh, i am not sure what she's going to do with it for easter it might be really sacrilegious we'll see how that goes uh but uh yeah cecil dresses up for uh, you know i had the, the glasses for new year's and a new year's outfit and so uh, yeah christmas cecil was a big hit so uh we, we you know we've got skeletons and ghost things among the roses all year long and and the neighbor doesn't like it and we're like yeah no this is our this is our Halloween. you know this is this is the <laughs> holiday that matters to us we love Halloween. yes halloween is like my christmas yes, and exactly. i i go all out and so far none of my neighbors have said anything about it being too much um, I hope they know better than to do that because then I will probably just leave the giant 12 foot inflatable ghost up all year round. Yes, I want they've they've now got at uh, uh, Home Depot, they've got this like 14 foot skeleton that you can get oh, that's yes. and I but it, it sells out immediately. And we went mm -hmm. to Home Depot a lot of times trying to find this thing. So this next year, if we can get the 14 foot skeleton, because in, in a couple of my novels, I've got skeleton characters. And so oh, nice. we find skeleton decor because then we're out you know at events and stuff we've got skeleton themed kind of the, the booth has lots of skeletons uh and so and 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 those are it's fun for merch like there's lots of skeleton skull themed stuff that we uh, have oh, yeah. with the, the books but if we could find that 14 foot skeleton to then take with us to uh to events i mean that would that would grab people's attention uh, so oh it like, would oh, yeah, yes we're gonna totally get two of those one for the house and one for these <laughs> live events It'll it'll get a lot of attention. I don't know if you know Mark Leslie Lefebvre. He's uh -oh. a local author here. He's a horror author, and he has Barnaby the skeleton, who he brings around with him. Yeah, and, and Barnaby is a hit. People know yep. Barnaby better than they know Mark sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So. He's like, I wish that I had the uh, the following that Barnaby has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've got I've got the pollinator garden too. Um, and that was recently designated as a monarch uh, butterfly way station because I am in their migration route. Oh, that's wonderful. And so yeah, you are getting butterflies uh, you know, twice a year they're coming through. Um they we're sort of at the end. So they they they're here from about June until they start uh, heading back in September so we're sort of at the northern end of their migration route and they they we get I think two or three generations of them here before they start migrating back so we get uh, quite a bit of them and I do um, try to help out a little bit do a little bit of conservation I will I have like bug tents so that to help keep them safe from predation so when I find them I will put them in my little bug tent with the milkweed and um, then release the butterfly later on and oh, uh that's wonderful yeah and, and it's really to, fun because then i, I get to looks like magic when they are it there does. you know that they they pass through uh you know we have lots of different uh, migrating butterflies that come through and that that's a 
wonderful time in the summer when you know it's just oh there are a bunch of we get these little white butterflies that uh that you know love to pass through and the dog will leap and snap at them like he is protecting she's protecting me from these you know these menacing butterflies she's never snagged one yet luckily but uh yeah it's it's, it is this kind of magic moment to just be sitting out on the back porch and watching all the butterflies pass through my my golden retriever did get a monarch once yeah yeah it was it was i was like no don't kill the endangered species what are you doing please yeah it is yeah it's nice having them and like watching that whole process because we've seen them go from egg all the way through and they're so tiny when they hatch and then they're so they're like this big when they're done and then you know into the chrysalis and then when they emerge again and just just watching the whole thing and it's been so fun for my daughter too to watch them yeah well and just the, the their flight the way they are so light and fragile it just makes the whole environment feel like it's this floating fairy kingdom uh, so yeah. I, I, I love seeing that. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, then we will come back and talk about what you've been daydreaming about. Thanks, Doug. Hey, everybody. Today's ad is for ads. If you're an indie author, you know how hard it is to get the word out about your books. Well, you could advertise on this show for less than 20 bucks. Just go to notapipepublishing.com. Click on the link for the show and sign up. You can also sign up to be a guest. That's always free. And we can try to time your ad or episode to match a book launch or a cover reveal or your birthday or a marriage proposal or the anniversary of a famous battle or the predicted return of a dead celebrity or profit or the... Live show announcement. We'll be at Norwescon in Seattle, April 6th to 9th. The guests are to be announced. We'd love to have you in the live audience bring some fun questions to ask a panel of procrastinating authors. Okay, Doug, teleport us back to the show. And welcome back. So what's something uh, that you have been daydreaming about when you aren't writing lately? Um, well, when I'm not dreaming of spring, because <laughs> I hate winter, um, uh, just travel. I miss traveling. Um, you know, pandemic didn't do a whole lot of it. And just, um, we were talking about Instagram earlier, and I followed some national parks. And so now Instagram has figured out, oh, you like national parks, and it's just showing me all of them. I'm like, yes, give it to me. Um, And all these, you know, just little reels that people are making on trails that they're on. And um... so what are some that you've been eyeing? So even though we were just there... I'm looking at a lot of things in Utah. That's yes. what it, the, the it algorithm wild? has decided Utah to show me Utah. A, yeah, Utah was not a place where I thought, oh, you know, I need to spend more time in Utah. And then the more I've learned about Arches and Moab, and I'm like, I have got to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I, uh, we did our honeymoon in Colorado, but we were in Southern Colorado. And like, while I was researching it, I was getting ads for Arches. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that looks neat. And then I'm looking on the map and I'm like, oh, that's close to where we're going to be. Sure. Let's just, you know, we we do road trips. When we travel, yeah. we're not city travelers. We fly into the city and then drive out into the middle of nowhere. Um, we flew into Las Vegas and then drove to California yes. through all the parks. Um, we didn't actually stay in Las Vegas more than however long it took us to get a rental car and leave. That's yeah, the kind of travelers yeah. we are. So um, we 
we we went on a road trip and we did we did a little bit of a loop we went uh down southern colorado up into arches and then back across to fly out of denver again and arches is amazing so for our 10th anniversary i would encourage you do a quick google search look up pictures of arches arches national park in utah oh my goodness so in 2019 the last trip we took before the world ended uh we took our daughter with us and we went back for our 10th anniversary Cool. and this time we just did um we just did utah and we did four of their five national parks and it was just stunning and we only had i think we had 10 days because my husband can only get so much time off work and so we were trying to cram as much as in as we could and we did arches quite extensively not as much as we would have liked because there's always more you're there and you, you do a couple of your favorites and you're like oh we haven't done this one let's try this one and then you find more there's always more to see and um and then there's longer trails and there, there was one day we were going to do a longer trail and it was just so hot and i like the heat and the dry heat is okay but it was like 120 yeah and no, you know no. my my little canadian bum just there's yeah, only so much no. yeah i i just burn like there is no in between i do not tan at all any sun i will fry and <laughs> no. 120 just sounds miserable to me uh-huh uh-huh we you know we stay hydrated we've got our reservoir backpacks but um there were the day before had been not quite as hot and halfway through our hike i had finished off my two liters of water or maybe it was three 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 liters of water and i was like oh i'm out of water we gotta turn around yeah so, yep um yeah so there's stuff the you miss for whatever you, reason what are the other parks that you saw and, and what were some of your faves okay so in in utah we did everything but zion and they were all amazing um Bryce Canyon was really cool. We were only there for the day, so we didn't actually hike down into the canyon. I have bad knees, so there's only so much up and down up and I down, can do. Yeah. But just going around the uh, the rim of the canyon was just amazing. It was so stunning. And I would definitely love to go back there and maybe do a bit of training, get my knees a yeah. little happier, and go down. Um, you can horseback ride, too, so that's also something to look at. Um, that was probably one of my favorites that I would like to go back to. We didn't do any of the state parks, which again, mm. that's what Instagram's showing me right now is all the state parks. Hey, how about this? And then it knows that I love California and the West Coast. So it's showing me a lot yeah. of trails to waterfalls on the West Coast. And I'm like, I really do wish I lived closer to the yes. mountains. Yes. Uh, well, and when you're next looking, if you're uh, if you're interested at all in you know coming further north, uh, Silver Falls in Oregon yes. is, you know, it's that's 45 minutes for me. And that is one oh, where we go. It, you're it, so it, lucky. Instagram has been showing me a lot of Silver Falls the last three days, actually. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm, it looks amazing. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, that's that just made it onto my I have this this document that is just full of places that I want to go. And it's like five or six pages long, um, broken down by country and continent. Yeah. and just like tiny little point form notes go to this place go to yeah. this place and uh every time i check something off i also find like 10 more things uh-huh well that's that yeah I, I am see. you know I, I like traveling internationally and i am you know constantly listing and there's a possibility that uh, i might get to go in the next few years to scandinavia and i'm really looking forward to you know seeing the fjords and uh mm-hmm. you know, going through uh sweden and finland and, and 
down into Denmark and maybe we can do Iceland on the way. And so that would be, uh, there would be just amazing places to see. So that that's, that's kind of a goal. But then my siblings and I are talking about, it's funny, they live in Cleveland and they're saying, well, we should meet in the middle. So let's meet in Utah. <laughs> I'm going, it doesn't cost more or less to meet there than anywhere else but i would love to go to those parks so if you're interested so we may be doing a road trip so i'm i'm you know i i need to remember you know bryce canyon go check that out arches certainly is on our list moab i've seen just amazing images yeah um, yeah canyonlands is right there near moab too um and that's where we stay we stay in moab and and if you're into astronomy at all bring some gear with you mm. even if it's just binoculars it's amazing to just yep. Um, yeah, the last time we were there, my daughter and I, my husband had the telescope out and he was doing some viewing, but my daughter and I were just lying in the middle of a parking lot and it's just wild. staring up. I was in Montana one time and I was like, the sky really is bigger here. <laughs> it's You're mm -hmm. so far from light pollution. It's amazing. It is so, it's so great. Yeah, the next trip we're doing, it's not very far. It's about three hours north of where we are. Uh, it's a little town called Tobamori, Ontario, and it's right on the end of the peninsula jutting into Lake Huron. Uh, so right between Lake Huron and Georgian Bay and the entire peninsula is a dark sky preserve oh. and so you've got some good dark skies up there and we go there and we we go every summer and we try to if the um the moon is good first for seeing uh we go during the Perseid meteor showers in August wow. so this year we're going in August for the Perseids last year it wasn't very good so we went like we just check when the new moon is and when's the new moon that's when we're going is that um, far and, enough north to get some northern lights activity it it is not super far north enough, so it would have to be a pretty intense storm for it to get that far yeah. south. Um, that's another thing that I that's like high on my list is yeah. going somewhere where I can see because I I live in Waterloo now, but I grew up in northern Ontario where the northern lights were fairly common, and I took it for granted right and i wish i hadn't and now i really miss seeing them because it used to be just oh there's the northern lights just look up and there they are yeah um i got to visit some friends in anchorage and i didn't get to see them at the time there just wasn't the kind of storm that you know that, that, that and they were like oh they're no big deal like they see them all the time you know and i yeah. was like oh this is something i would love to see so someday someday i'll get up someday. there at the right time yes yeah i'm looking at either going to iceland and and trying to see them there or um there are some really nice spots in farther northern canada in the territories that look like they'd be really cool and there are some places that are specifically you know the you know the, the hotels with the the like domed yes. ceilings so you can yes. just lie in bed and not have to go outside in the cold yep yep they got those um, in iceland where there are these gla essentially glass igloos uh that yeah you stay in and i'm like yep that's that's a goal i would love to go do that at some point <laughs> that would be amazing yeah so uh, we do a weekly poll uh, where we ask folks what, and I'm pulling up the uh, the results of our last weekly poll right now so that I can see, because it, the, the last one we did got the most results of uh, of any, I mean, this one, this one was a hot one. People were really interested in uh, whether or not Elliot Kalin should grow a beard. Uh, and I think it's because he said that it was binding. So this one is, you know, uh, uh, yes, we are, we are up to uh, uh, quite a few votes on this one. And 75% of the folks have said Elliot Kalin should grow a big bushy beard. There's a day left on that one. So people can, can, can still weigh in, uh, but actually no, by the time this airs, there won't be, but uh, his, his 
sons want him to grow a big bushy beard. His wife does not. And it sounds like Twitter is strongly on his son's side. So Elliot, you're going to have to grow a big bushy beard now. Uh, your sons win. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I could grow a big bushy beard, I absolutely would. I, I, the nice thing is you can grow it and then change your mind. Like you're not, you know, yeah. you're not bound to it forever. Uh, it does take some time, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working on this was my COVID thing. And then uh, every time I would, I, at the time I was single. And so every time I would be dating, I would go, oh, I'm going to be seeing somebody new. I better shave it off. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I'd found the right person when she was like, no, keep growing it out. Don't you don't have to shave it for me. And she actually <laughs> likes it. And so I'm like, oh, good. Now I get to finally have the Gandalf beard I've always wanted. So, yes, that, that's it. it. That's it. Yes. I if I was a dude, I would like totally go for the Gandalf aesthetic in my old age. Yes. And, you know, I'm already going gray. I'm like, this is this is an opportunity. I can, you know, appear more magical than I really am. I'm going to go for it. So or at least dwarven, <laughs> you know. Um, so how sure. about you? What would you like our next poll to be? Uh, what is your favorite, summer or winter? Summer or winter. Okay, we'll toss that up. And I'm sure people, just to be difficult, will uh, you know hop in and say spring or fall. But we want to know, of the two, summer or winter? No, you have to pick. If you have to choose, summer or winter. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I have strong feelings about that myself, but I will wait. And Everybody has online. strong feelings yeah. about it. Well, I think I've already revealed them with my inability to handle sun <laughs> at all. <laughs> so what is on your to-read pile? My to-read pile is is just, it's crazy. Um, as most authors and readers, you know, it's several hundred books deep. I am currently working through all of my astronomy magazine backlog mm-hmm. because I just wasn't reading for a bit and they keep coming every two months. Um, and then I've, I've got uh, A Coup of Tea by Casey Blair up next mm-hmm. for books. Okay, I'm writing that down. We'll put that in the show notes. Folks should check that out. A Coup of Tea. Yeah, look at this cover. Look at how pretty that is. Yeah, that is a cool cover. It's really, it's just, yeah. So anyway, pretty cover. It sounded interesting when um, friends were talking about it. And I, uh, it's apparently sort of cozier. And I am sort of leaning more into cozy stuff. You know, Legends and Lattes was amazing. And I'm just, give me more of that, please. And so this sounds like that's what it's going to be like. I am currently uh, reading uh, a book that is uh, a cozier uh, for me uh, that came about via the show. I'm pulling it up right now because I'm blanking on the uh, the title, but uh, it's uh, Invisible Islands by uh, by Scott Boss, who I had on the show. And nice. after uh, having him on the show, I was like, oh, I should check that out. I mean, he was a really cool guy. I was I enjoyed hanging out with him, and uh, it's it's interesting because it is uh, you know I don't I, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't want to spoil anything or and i don't know what will be the spoilers but just tonally it is almost a utopia rather than a dystopia this this science fiction and so it feels like the stakes are lower and i thought that would be problematic and it's actually worked really well now later in the book the stakes are raising certainly but it had this almost cozy feel in a mm-hmm. sci-fi so if folks are interested in something that will not stress them out uh invisible islands by scott boss my my uh my my to read or I, i'm realizing i have a hole in my 
science fiction reading, I have not read any John Scalzi. And people, when they hear that, are just like, what? You need to read more John Scalzi. And so I <laughs> picked this one up and the title is Head On. And I can't see that without thinking of those commercials from 2006. Oh Did you guys get those? Yes, we the got the commercials. Head yes. On? Yes. yes, that were yes. just the worst ads ever made. Mm -hmm. And I had to look it up and go, he wrote this book after that. Like, didn't mm -hmm. that drive him crazy as he was as he was writing it to think people are going to see this and go head on. Uh, but uh -huh. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember when he was when the book first came out and he was promoting it a lot and people were constantly sending him those ads on Twitter. Oh my now he gets the burrito, you know, monstrosities. But at the time it was. I was just starting on Twitter and John was just getting on my radar because of Twitter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just all these head, like, he was like, yes, I have seen it. Yes. Thank you. Just yeah. Like, yeah. What did you expect? And he's got a good sense of humor, but that would he get does. old, I think. Um, yeah. But, I, but I, you know, just reading the back cover copy, I'm like, this sounds like something I would really enjoy. So that's, that's yeah. next on my to read pile. I need Fantastic. To I haven't read that one. I did read um, the, interdependency trilogy the one that starts mm. with um is it the collapsing empire no that's the second one i forget what order they go in but the last one is the last emperor and um it was so good it was such a good yeah. trilogy and i then, enjoyed uh, it a lot um, audible has been pushing uh, kaiju preservation society on me and that I mean, yeah i feel like the title sells that one i'm like yep i'm gonna have to read that one too I'll have to yeah that one, so that's all, that's all, that one sounds great yep uh so where can listeners find you and your work? Uh, at the moment, I'm on Twitter. Um, yeah. Any social media that I move to, I will have the same uh, the same handle. I mean, I'm a Tigger. I'm the only Richie Thode in the world, so I'm easy to find if you can remember how to spell it. So that helps. Um, in the show notes. Yes. Um, so Twitter for now. Hopefully Twitter for a long time and uh i am on instagram as well lots of dog pictures um people may have seen them coming and going from my office um and i have a website uh thodstool.ca excellent and we will put that in the show notes as well so folks can check you out there so uh, before we do our send off, I have folks to thank. I need to thank the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro, the song I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know that you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland. Uh, thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. Uh, if you're in a band and you'd like your song used on the show, I would love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song. So email that to me. Thanks to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. And I cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com, check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. And please check out all of Vanessa's books, rate and review them too. Even a short review and a single click on that fifth star makes a huge difference to authors. So if you've got three minutes Make Vanessa's day. Uh, give her a, a, a review for one of her books. Yeah, it really is wonderful. So uh, Vanessa and I want you to remember three things this week. So Vanessa, what's our first send off, sign off? Well, we're all just stories in the end. So make it a good one and be kind. Second, in life, as in writing, it's the spaces between the words which make them meaningful. So don't ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you.